Welcome to episode 1567 of Effectively Wild, a baseball podcast from Fangraphs presented by our Patreon supporters. I am Ben Lundberg of Ringer, joined by Meg Rowley of Fangraphs. Hello, Meg. Hello. And we are joined by our pal Craig Goldstein, the editor-in-chief of Baseball Prospectus. Hello, Craig. Hello. So we're going to do a draft today. It's actually the first of two draft episodes, sort of paired drafts that we're going to do and release in quick succession. But just a couple quick things before we get to draft number one. Craig, you already know this because I told you this, but I need to tell you about this, Meg. I had another baseball writing dream. <laughs> and Craig knows about this because he was featured in it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this was early Monday morning. And what happened was I woke up, but it wasn't yet time to get up, but I wasn't asleep anymore. And so it was after the time when BP usually publishes its articles. So I just opened my phone and went to BP just to see what Craig had cooked up for us all that day. And then I fell back asleep. Not because the BP articles were boring or anything. I, I was <laughs> Thank just you still, for clarifying that. <laughs> I was still tired. And then I had a dream that was related to that. So I dreamed that I wrote an article for Baseball Prospectus about the best projected catcher framers for this season. And the leader was someone surprising. I had a leaderboard in there. It was like, I think it was like Derek Norris or someone like that. Yeah, that's what like, you said. A, no longer in the majors, but beyond that, was a, a good framing catcher, I guess, but not a superlative one. So I don't know why it was someone like that. But I wrote the article, and it was published, and it was leading the site. Thank you for that, Craig, for, for yeah. giving it the, the promotion. And <laughs> I was excited to see it because it was nice to see my name up in the bright lights at BP again, just like old times. And then I realized after the article was published that the projected run total for the leader, Norris, or whoever it was, was quite low. And I was going to message Craig to ask him about adding a line about how maybe that low run total reflected the fact that the difference between framers has shrunk and we don't see extreme values in framing anymore, which we've all written about. But then when I went to check, I realized that I had sorted the leaderboard wrong. <laughs> and the leader was actually Joe Maurer with like 28 runs saved. And the guy I had written about was projected for like eight or something. So I had written most of the article about the wrong guy. <laughs> and then I was like freaking out. And I was like, oh no, what do I do? And I messaged Craig to ask if we should take it down or, or do something else. And then before I could explain the situation, you immediately looped me in on Gchat with like the entire BP stats team. And you were like, that was a good article. But if you had access to all of our data, you could do even more or something. I don't know why you didn't give me access to all of it before Just the article was published. <laughs> yeah. So then it was even more awkward because I'd been hoping that just like no one had noticed or read the article yet. So I was about to explain the situation and then mercifully I woke up and immediately was worried about what to do, still was sort of in the dream and then <laughs> eventually came to the conclusion that it was not real and they had not written an erroneous article and it was a great relief. 
it, it's it's nice to be the subject of someone's dream, but this was kind of more like a nightmare, I guess. <laughs> it was, and yeah. like I was kind of a dick in it, so like I don't know. <laughs> Unwittingly, though, you didn't know yet, <laughs> but but yeah, it was uh, it was unsettling. It's like the worst nightmare is that you write an article and the entire thing is wrong and all the stats are wrong, so that was unpleasant. But as you said, Craig, that was an incredibly me dream. That <laughs> it I'm... was just so specific. <laughs> Dreaming yeah, about I... catcher framing articles <laughs> i i also would say well and not only catcher framing articles but like i don't know to even include Derek norris who now that <laughs> you've mentioned him both i think was extremely bad at catcher framing and then sometimes got, i think he got fluctuated better. yeah right. yeah and and then also to, just to have it be like intense nervousness about publishing an article that had uh, an error in it that it was not even your fault because I was hiding information from you. Well, well that's <laughs> true. But I, I think I had screwed up somehow. I think I had sorted something wrong. So again, I don't know why Joe Maurer was one of the leaders because Joe Maurer also retired. But still, that was uh, it was scary. I think it was at least partly my fault. So that's why I felt so bad about it. Is this your very roundabout way of saying that you were one of the people who noticed that my save of an update to the title of Dan Zimborski's piece on a, a batter hitting 400 didn't save unless we had <laughs> toppling Tom? Who's Tom? Nobody, nobody named Tom has hit 400. Benjamin? I did not notice that. That's some, some nightmare fuel for you, except that was real, I guess. Well, I was going to say one one it thing I brief. could say here is, is I, I can give you dream you some advice i i have said to meg in in times when i think we've both been stressed <laughs> about our various websites which is just that like ultimately it's a baseball website yeah. and like right. <laughs> the worst thing that happens is like you're wrong about something in baseball and it's not <laughs> i mean look it's vitally important to all three of us but like generally speaking it's not as uh yeah yeah Craig, right. this is why you're going to live a lot longer than me. <laughs> I keep telling you, though, that my heart is, has other things to say about that. But yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I assume I don't go to the doctor. But, I mean, honestly. Good well, Ben, I hope that um, you, you know, you're owed like a, a good, uh, a, a good satisfying dream that is less anxiety ridden than the ones you've been having so. of late like you're you're just due i think i know but as we've covered i so rarely remember my dreams that i think i only remember them when it's a uh, baseball writing related <laughs> so i don't even get to enjoy them i i think this represents some kind of mental growth though because usually this sort of dream when i've had it in the past is set in the past it's like i'm back in school and i didn't know there was a test and i didn't prepare for it and i'm taking the test even though i was uh, pretty good about preparing for tests but in my dreams, I never know what's going on about anything, and I'm always surprised that there's a paper due immediately or something. So at least this is reflecting like present mistakes that I could be making. <laughs> so well, I think we are still in history. If you're Joe Maurer and Derek Norris, <laughs> yeah, that's it's like true. <laughs> 2012, maybe. Or yeah. Something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe I inwardly want to be back at, at BP, but you took my job, so what can I do? I mean, I'm pretty sure people. If if you made yourself available, I might be in a in a tough spot. Well, not if I keep screwing up these leaderboards like that. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> okay, 
All right, so we have a draft to do, but should we talk briefly about the fact that the season we're about to discuss is starting in just a few days, and yet the Toronto Blue Jays do not know what their home is? (laughs) What's the the latest on where the Blue Jays might play? Because the Canadian government, which has uh, actually handled the pandemic somewhat responsibly and more strictly, has uh, prevented the Blue Jays from playing home games now in Toronto, and so they are scrambling to look for a major league place to play. Yeah, the last thing that I saw was, so I mean, a few days ago, it was floated that PNC Park might be an option. And I don't know, that never made sense to me because they specifically didn't want to mix geographic. Not that PNC is is that far from the East Coast, but it is this, all the central teams would go through it. And now you're introdu- introducing East Coast teams or uh, AL and NL East teams. The, the latest that I saw is that the Camden Yards is being hmm. potentially considered there are only two conflicts in the schedule where both would be home, uh, starting with July 29th, which is scheduled to be the Blue Jays' first home series. Uh, so July 29th, to August 2nd, and then uh, the August 14th through 16th. Otherwise, there are no overlapping home dates. So I, I guess it seems like a decent option, if not maybe a fraught one, because you're just, I don't know, you have to turn over the home locker room more often. You have to turn over the visiting locker room more often. I don't know. It doesn't seem great. I feel like they should have prepared better for this potentiality because the Canadian government never seemed really sold on it. I think that Camden's also appealing because of its proximity to the national stadium and they would already have a series against, they'd have series against the nationals anyhow that I think Mm -hmm. would allow them to get around some of their conflict dates. And when they have a conflict with Camden, I think that the, the national stadium is fine, so I I think that was part of the thinking there. I just wonder if they assumed that things would be better than they are in Florida and that they could just play at their spring training facility, which uh, is smaller capacity, but that doesn't matter this year, uh, and is actually up <laughs> to snuff from a broadcast perspective, right? Because that's the problem with yes. Buffalo is that they can't broadcast there and they would also need to like host uh, some of the, the locker room facilities in the suites because <laughs> they can't uh, socially distance successfully in the in the clubhouses, I guess, in Buffalo. So there are all sorts of, of issues there. But yeah, I, I, I just wonder if they assumed a more competent response from the state of Florida, which, goodness, what an idea that is. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's sort of surprising that it would be so hard to find a place initially just because you think, well, it doesn't really matter what the capacity is because you don't have to get fans in there and there are lots of baseball diamonds around the country. So in that sense, it seems like it should be easy. But of course, you need the facilities to be top notch, too. And so they had talked about the home of the Buffalo Bisons, the Blue Jays AAA team being a, a candidate, and perhaps it still is, but there are concerns about the lighting there J.J. Cooper reported that no minor league park fulfills the MLB requirements for lighting conditions, which is also sort of surprising. All the minor leaguers are apparently playing in the dark all the time. Well, I think it's about the television quality. Right, it's about the Uh broadcast. They're good enough to play, but not for... I see. The way they broadcast on television. Can we get some floodlights in there or something? I don't know. Yeah, I would have thought they could do it. I think I was talking to Jeff Paternostro and he made the point that I think they play that series in Williamsport every year now and Mm, they they truck in lighting for that. So I would have thought they could, you know, 
make it work if they wanted to. But sure, although they're probably thinking like, "Hey, we're in the middle of a pandemic, though, and right. this oh, needs to happen that's in a, good point. a week and a half." So <laughs> there are difficulty to everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would imagine that the logistical burdens are somewhat more insurmountable. What with what's going on, you know, all yeah. the happenings in the world. I would point out too that there's some potential i mean we can put air quotes around fun but meg pointed out that the nationals stadium is available for when both teams are home Uh, the blue jays first home game is against the nationals so we could see the blue jays first home game uh of the season in nationals park against the nationals yeah yeah do they do they bring in their own soundboard guy or do they tell the (laughs) national soundboard guy to flip his reaction sounds so that he's actually cheering on the Blue Jays because he is now the Blue Jays soundboard guy or or gal person. We don't know. We don't know who that who that person is. But do they flip it so that uh, they they are appropriate, or do they they get sassy and cheer for the Nats while they're at home against them? Sounds like an interview waiting to happen. Yes, Sounds like I hope so. Yeah, I was kind of excited about the Buffalo prospect just because there is Major League history in Buffalo. A, a few different teams and franchises have played there and been big league teams, although not for a very, very long time. But that would have been kind of cool from a historical perspective. And then another possibility that was discussed was Omaha and playing where the College World Series is played because that is apparently broadcast quality because those games mm-hmm. are broadcast too. So that was an option. And like I've seen people wonder, well, why don't they play in some past MLB park that's still standing like Turner Field or the ballpark in Arlington? But A, geographically, maybe not ideal. And B, those parks have been reconfigured. So yeah. Turner Field is a football field now. And the ballpark in Arlington was a football field for the XFL. And I think now is or, or will be a soccer field, but apparently has like a 250 foot wall now so it would be like the the baker bowl or something which frankly (laughs) might be kind of fun but (laughs) but would be weird for sure so they're just there aren't really that many like mlp parks that are just kind of standing around unoccupied and in good condition so that's not really a viable option so Hopefully, I I guess the best case scenario is that we do get a timeshare and maybe that'll be complicated for calculating park factors, but at least everyone will have a place to play. And there's some precedent for that too, like the Yankees played at Shea Stadium when Yankee Stadium was getting remodeled and Yankees and the Giants both played at the polo grounds at at the same time for years. So that has happened before. Ben, I'm I'm here to tell you that people do in fact watch the College World Series, even though you hate college baseball. (laughs) (laughs) I don't begrudge other people watching it. It's just not my my cup of baseball, but I'm glad it is for others. Ben, we out we outnumber Meg. I am also (laughs) it was inevitable. Come on. All right, so let's do a draft. So this is, again, draft one of two, and they can be enjoyed independently, but maybe are even better enjoyed in tandem. It's like Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages. You you play them both together. That's a Zelda reference. They're both going to be about the upcoming season. So the first draft we're going to do is things that we will miss this season. So Things we are being deprived of because of this weird year, because it's a 60-game season, because there's no minor league season, whatever. Things that we would have expected to see 
that now we won't see or won't see as often or won't enjoy as much or whatever the case may be. And then for maybe a a happier or more optimistic sequel, we will do things we're excited about and things we're looking forward to seeing in this strange season, which may be because it's a strange season or might just be things we were looking forward to anyway, but now the season is actually starting, so they feel real all of a sudden. And I guess we should just issue a, a blanket note up top that the things we miss the most are like health and safety and a functioning economy and players not catching <laughs> the coronavirus and, and all of that. So hopefully that all would just go without saying we're we're just talking about the baseball stuff on the field, I assume here for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I did want to ask a clarification, I think potentially giving something away, but before I, I should have asked this before we started recording, but does like, are, are we counting like what we're going to see like on a screen or is like going to a game a thing we can miss? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think so. Yeah. Just making sure. Yeah. In, in fact, I'd be disappointed if none of us drafted that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd probably be bad. <laughs> uh, I guess, uh, Greg, you're the guest. I, I guess you could go first. Oh boy. A lot of pressure on first overall. Okay. I'm, I'm probably going to go with a weird thing for a first overall pick, but it's something I extremely love about baseball and, So I'm going to miss the silence in baseball when there is a crowd because of the way it builds tension. Mm. And like when it is like, so I I was at Nationals Park in, I think it was 2015 when Kershaw came in for the save the first time the Dodgers tried that trick and it worked. And Kenley had thrown like two and a third innings. And it was just like, there's, you know, that collective like holding of breath and the amount of, of tension that happens in it because the way baseball works and it's slow build, you know, there's a lot of ambient noise. There's a lot of building of uh crowd noise and then when there is that hush it like it's just something i i've always appreciated and so the fact that it's going to basic i know they're going to pipe in crowd noise but like that it's going to always be silent just means that we're not going to have that yeah that's a good one there will just be like a perpetual hush or just (laughs) fake noise constantly but you won't really get that same sense of like dramatic tension and building up based on the crowd reaction unless the pa people are really good and the fake crowd noise is really convincing (laughs) (laughs) i just don't know that it could convince me though because if we're seeing empty seats behind the plate and around the stadium I don't know that I can overcome the cognitive dissonance and actually suspend my disbelief. Like I'm, I'll be hearing fans and seeing no fans, and it'll be like I don't. I feel like I'll get seasick or something. It'll be like when your eyes are confused and your balance <laughs> is confused because uh, you're moving and you don't know how to handle that. It'll be kind of like that, where we'll be confronted constantly with these two jarring sights or sounds. I think I'd have an easier time suspending my disbelief if there were greater fidelity of proportion in the cutouts behind home. (laughs) I noticed when the, you know, the Yankees and the Mets played and the Mets had their fan cutouts, many of which were delightful. And I get why you're like, we're just taking whatever picture you send us because trying to sort all of that out sounds like a logistical nightmare. But, you know, there were some people who were like, people size like the like people who would sit in the seat people sized but then there were people who were like you know fathead sized and uh it was very disorienting and trippy for me so i i think i'd have an easier time if they were all actual people sized 
rather than there being some people and also giant dogs like the dogs would be giant if they were the actual <laughs> dogs they'd be giant dogs so that would that also kind of you know it it shattered the illusion for me yeah well i was going to say did you i someone noticed this on a dodgers broadcast i was watching a couple of games ago but the so there's a man holding a baby in one of them and then directly next to the man holding the baby is just a full sized cutout of a baby and so that was that was tough for me to get past at that point because i mean i know we all saw the large baby uh on the internet but like (laughs) look i don't know maybe they could just like put a smaller cut out there or so i would i agree with you a greater fidelity to to dimension and proportion would be nice Look, we don't need to go down this road because this is a draft episode. There are already going to be tangents. But that baby is not a baby. That baby is a toddler. We need to stop calling it a giant baby. It is still a big kid, but he is not a baby. He no, is a toddler. There has some has... baby-like features is the scary part. Of I it, understand, but... but there is category fraud going on here, and I will not stand for it. Yeah. Well, Craig, you have a baby, so you're the authority on babies on this podcast, I guess. That's Hopefully true. your baby is not abnormally large. I, I hope he's <laughs> appropriately large. But... He's, well, I, will, he's, I was going to say he's large, but not... Not quite like large baby. And I'm sorry, Meg, like, I don't know what else. You say large toddler, and we don't know who we're talking about at this point. I understand, but the the whole... <laughs> and now we're doing this. So the whole objection to the large baby was that a baby, meaning a younger ba- a younger child person, was that big. And people were like, whoa, it's like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. <laughs> no, it's just a really weird toddler. <laughs> He's wow, just you're... a weird toddler. <laughs> Meg, this is the second medium in which you've maligned a child. <laughs> That's right. I did spend 500 words at BP one time <laughs> shitting yeah. on a baby for being bad. <laughs> if anyone doesn't know what large baby we're talking about, I will Sorry. link to the large baby. Oh, although, no, ben, be careful don't... about clicking we'll just we'll tell you it will haunt you yeah (laughs) although it hasn't yet appeared in your dream spin so i'm kind of surprised (laughs) not that i recall Uh, okay meg you want to go next sure well speaking of of faces and fans i i will miss fan faces this is both a you know a distraction for me personally but also just a font of professional inspiration and so i will miss fan faces but that's not really my pick my pick is related to that it's i will i will miss this is kind of melancholy i will miss having like an unreserved sense of whimsy Mm -hmm. about this year you know we're all forced by circumstance to grapple with the strangeness and the stakes of this season and we need to grapple with those things because the stakes are very high and they extend beyond baseball and that is important to do and I also am am kind of struggling both as a person who enjoys watching baseball and then as a person who tends to engage with baseball from a writing perspective in a very particular way with how to do that right this year. And I've had a lot of moments watching these these inter-squads and these tune-ups between teams where it has felt it has felt really good to have baseball on and to have that sound in the background while I'm editing and to be able to delight in in guys doing cool stuff on the field. And I'm able to maintain that that emotional space for a little while and then I remember everything that's going on and I feel icky about it. And I don't think that that's necessarily the wrong balance of things and the wrong set of feelings to have about this season but I wish 
that we had done better so that not only these guys could play um, under safer conditions, but so that we could enjoy it more unreservedly than I find myself being able to right now, even though I do still enjoy it. So I, I miss feeling good about whimsy. Sort of yeah. my, you know, sort of my brand, the whimsy. And right. I feel, I feel unsure of what I should do with myself uh, in 2020. So I guess I could apply to any number of things. But <laughs> as it comes to baseball, uh, it's just, it's going to be an odd thing to sort of feel our way through, even though we're not touching anyone. We're staying hands in, not touching anyone because yeah. that's bad to do. Yeah. That's a good one. I hope that at some point during the season, we will be able to revel in the whimsy, which is dependent, of course, on how the pandemic is going in general across the country and how MLB's testing program is going. If it does go smoothly, then maybe perhaps we will get to the point where we will have fewer reservations about it, or at least we'll be able to think or or hope that it's not worse than it would be not to play but we're not at that point yet so yeah whenever we celebrate something there's a a voice i think in the back of our heads going maybe this shouldn't be happening at all or at least we can't enjoy it unreservedly yeah i'm a little surprised you guys aren't looking forward to a continuing like a continued nagging uh (laughs) sense of conflict that like bleeds color out of everything (laughs) and yeah uh, weighs upon us in ways of uh in in, you know i don't know causes ennui and sadness Mm -hmm. yeah i just you know craig you know me i'm already disposed to ennui (laughs) and you know how much i love twitter discourse yeah well so i'm gonna i mean you guys put it in this draft i'm gonna take it off my things i will look forward to I suppose uh, yeah. it would the be discourse you were you were hankering <laughs> for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. I guess I'll go. We plan to draft five things a piece, but we'll see how it goes and how many we have. And I actually had an easier time coming up with things that I am excited about or looking forward to than things that I am missing or, or sad about, which I guess is a good sign. Maybe it's just opening week excitement that uh, I'm able to put other things out of my mind right now. But I have a longer list for that one. But for this one, I think I'll take this just to block you, Craig, in case you would take it, although maybe it would be a homer pick for you. But I'm going to take the Dodgers dominating over a full season, which is something that I was looking forward to seeing. I guess all extremes like that, you could say we're going to be deprived of potentially a a historic record-setting terrible season by the Orioles or someone else too, but I wouldn't anticipate that with the same glee. So I'm not a Dodgers fan or anything, but I appreciate the way that the Dodgers have constructed their team and sustained this winning for so long and they were the best team in the National League last year and then they added Mookie Betts to it and David Price and yes they also lost some players but I will ignore that for now and they were coming into this season as potentially the best projected team of all time like they were getting triple digit win total projections which is unusual i i believe that in the before times they had the best picota projection ever which you yes. know goes back like 15 years at this point so 
I really would have been interested in seeing that lineup work all year long, just totally stacked top to bottom. Two of the best players, probably the two best players in the National League and other good supporting players. And then also really exciting young guys like Will Smith and Gavin Lux. It's just every lineup spot on that team is either great or interesting or maybe both. And now we're not going to get that. They might dominate over 60 games, certainly, but we're not going to get the full effect of how good they could have been over a 162-game season. And we don't get David Price being part of the team either. So I'm sort of sad about that. I, I wanted to see how good the Dodgers could be, and now we won't exactly get to see that. Yeah, I was going to say they lost David Price as well as gained him. Uh, and also, just semi-breaking news, they aren't going to start the season with Gavin Lux on the team. So huh. uh, they optioned him uh, just, I don't know, within the last 20 minutes or uh-huh. so. Okay. Yeah, I I will admit I didn't have that on my list, I guess. But it's it's one I immediately, once you said it, I regret it not having it on my <laughs> list. Yeah, I think a full season dominance. Honestly, I think the the Yankees were projected exceedingly well too, and I think it would have been interesting to kind of see them go head to head over the course of a full season on what what they could do. Just because depth is such a big part of what those teams do, and in a lot of ways, it's muted in a short shortened season. Um, mm-hmm. You could certainly argue that right, yeah. COVID can make it just as important because if you lose three or four players, especially three or four key players, it changes everything. But in a lot of ways, just having the the shorter season, it means there's less room for that depth to shine through and to, to separate uh, themselves from other teams. So yeah, yeah, I like that one. And I could see having some super team fatigued because we've seen so many really great teams lately and, mm-hmm. and this sort of stratification in baseball between the great teams and the terrible teams. So if you're sort of sick of just seeing certain teams lay waste to the league, I get that too. But there's still a part of me that appreciates how teams can construct themselves to be good year after year, especially the Dodgers, who win the division every single year and just seem like a perpetual motion machine because they just keep working in like another core on top of the core that they already had and I was excited to see Bellinger and Betts in the same outfield for a full season and granted maybe Mookie will stay and we'll see those guys playing side by side for years and years to come but that's not guaranteed so I I would have liked to guarantee that. Yeah, I mean, I will say the there there was a sense of loss, even though I was watching the the very first exhibition game they played, the non intra squad game they played against Arizona. They trotted out what looked to be a mostly regular lineup, and the the first two batters walked. There was a single, and then Cody Bellinger hit a grand slam in the in the very first <laughs> inning. And you kind of thought, like, boy, it would have been nice to see what this this the this team would do this lineup would do over the course of a of a full season cuz and i think they put up another 11 runs yesterday including a they had like a i don't know they have a you know a slaughter rule or something like that where they <laughs> yeah. just ended the 6th inning because they scored too many runs it's an it's an all-time historic offense that we are not going to get you know a, a full sense of in mm-hmm. in any capacity all right craig you want to go yeah i think i'm i was curious if this was maybe the inspiration for this draft or these drafts, but I'm going to miss 
the shaming tour of the Astros. <laughs> and ah, Sam Sam wrote hard. a <laughs> yeah, I had that too. <laughs> I had that. Sam wrote a great article about it, and I would really recommend everyone read it if you're not already reading Sam at this point. I don't know what to tell you, but yeah, I don't know that I need to explain it much. It's just the it was. I it seems like five years ago. E- even if it, I don't know. I, I miss we're not going to get that particular off season into regular season. I suppose like even if we had a hundred forty four game season and fans were allowed, like it just March was five years, and I just feel like there's so much lost in the process of that. That even if fans were allowed, I don't think it would be the same kind of vitriol or level of sustained booing that that we might otherwise have seen. And uh, I was honestly, I was looking forward to it. I don't think it would have been as throaty. The the cheers would have been less. They would have been, you know, muted and masked. But I still think that people would have gotten hyped about it. Fans still boo Ryan Braun. Mm -hmm. That was like a long time ago now. That was a long time. You know, he's not a very good baseball player anymore. Or he's not as good of one. People are going to be mad at me. So I think that people will... I think people will remember and they'll they're going to save it up. I am curious speaking of sound soundboard folks. I am curious <laughs> if there are mandates from MLB about what home ballpark soundboard operators can do when the Astros come to town. Are they allowed to run a boo track? <laughs> Simulate the booing, yeah. Yeah. Good question. They should yeah. do it. I had this on my list too, and not because I'm so eager to stick it to the Astros. I mean, you know, they deserve to be stuck to to some extent, although I feel a little bit bad, frankly, for the guys on the team who weren't there during the years when they were cheating. (laughs) That's kind of unfortunate for them. But I think beyond that, and I'm not so motivated by vengeance, (laughs) I don't feel personally aggrieved in that I wasn't rooting for a team that they beat or something. But I totally understand why they would be booed. The the parts of it that really got me going were A, the potential for fan creativity. So I, I wanted to see the beyond signs. the booing, you know, would there be chanting? Would there be signs? Would there be people making trash cans? Like if you're going to continue that for a full season, then you're going to have to bring some variety to the taunting, right? So I would have liked to see what fans came up with to make fun of the Astros. So that's one. And two, I was kind of interested in it as a psychological experiment. Like what happens when you're the team that everyone hates and everywhere you go, everyone boos you mercilessly? Does that affect your performance? Does that affect your morale? And I guess we never would have been able to say conclusively whether, you know, if they did suffer some decline in performance, we couldn't have attributed that to the rooting necessarily, but it would have been interesting at least. And you would have had quotes and interviews and, you know, not that it necessarily would have been fun to see them all just get worn down and depressed over the course of a season. Probably for a lot of people that would have been fun, but I think <laughs> I would have still been interested just to to see, you know, can you embrace that heel role and feed on it? Would it actually become part of the team's identity that it's us against them or would it just beat you down over the course of a season eventually you'd get really sick of being hated everywhere you went? Can fans who buy cardboard cutouts in other AL ballparks have a sign on their cutout that impugns the Astros? Yeah. Inquiring fans want to know. 
that seems legitimate, I would think, but it's uh, it's not the same effect if you have to read the text on a silent piece of cardboard, I don't think. No, but... Oh, well. We lost that, at least for now. I'm taking minor league baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This will be my version of going to games in person. You know, I'm not at minor league parks all that often, but there is something very specific about about the atmosphere there, especially when you get down to, like, you know... When you go see the Aqua Sox and you have host families in the crowd, which like, as I said, they should be paid enough that they don't need host families. But the host families are there and they're cheering for their guys. And some of those fans are like, they're fans of the Aqua Sox. They're not fans of the Mariners per se. Like it has a much more intimate feeling to it. You get to see guys very early in their careers. Some of the baseball is very, very bad, just like atrociously bad, but it is still... You know, it's affordable. It's it's close. You get to be so close, and so I will miss I will miss minor league ball because we don't really get it, and we don't even get to go to the campsites or see what's going on there. So that's my pick. Can't argue with that one. <laughs> and yeah, I don't I'm... just say that because both Craig and I are somehow going to have to still edit lists. <laughs> yeah, let's have a conversation after this about what what the hell we're gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you just all collectively decide not to do prospect rankings for a year, you can all just skip it. <laughs> oh sure, yeah. Let's let's uh let's. I want to be I want to be in the room when you when you tell all of our prospect people like don't write lists. It's fine. I want to see how that goes. <laughs> Honestly, my my prospect people probably wouldn't hate the idea of not writing lists, but yeah, right. <laughs> not getting paid to do things is different. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Um, no, I think that's a good one, Meg. I think, you know, an extension of that, I think you hit on at the end is, is just not even getting to follow the progress of prospects yeah. and like, tra- like a lot of these guys, we don't, you know, you go, you go to minor league games, I go to minor league games, but we, we don't see the vast majority of, of these guys, but we do get to kind of play along as, as they do and see development or adversity or whatever it is. And that's, that's a huge part of both of our lives and yeah it's one i i love obviously i was the minor league editor at bp for a while and like i am absolutely gonna miss that that's a great great choice thank you all right well i'm taking trout i can't believe that it took us six picks on this podcast <laughs> to, to take trout trout still exists but trout's stats and what he could have accomplished in a full season That is what I am sorry to miss. And specifically, I am sorry to almost certainly lose the best fun fact going in baseball right now, which is that Trout has the highest war ever through a given age. So he, of course, has the highest war ever through age 27. He was ahead of Ty Cobb by almost five wins, but Ty Cobb had a a good year after that, and Trout's is being cut short. So Unless Trout has a truly incredible next two months, which is conceivable, I just wrote an article for The Ringer that was made possible by Fangraph's data and Fangraph's assistance, and we looked at the most war that anyone has ever amassed in a a period of 60 games, and Trout right now trails Ty Cobb by about five wins on that war leaderboard, and that is within his reach. He, He can do that. The most ever war in a 60-game period, at least since 1974, which is as far back as we could go, is George Brett's 6.5 in 1980. And Trout, his personal best is 5.6, which was in 2012. So 
This is possible. He could conceivably catch Cobb, but it's fairly unlikely that he will do that. He's only projected for about 3 or 3.3 war, so he'd really have to concentrate his hottest two months in the next two months. And if he doesn't do that, or if he misses any time for any reason, then we won't have that fun fact anymore. And I guess he could conceivably catch up after that, but really enjoyed being able to say that Mike Trout is the best ever through a certain age. And now we probably won't be able to do that Although we can certainly distinguish between, you know, pre-integration players and Mike Trout. So that's still a a really impressive accomplishment. And looking long term, it's not as if the whatever three or four, whatever it is, war that Trout would be deprived of this year will meaningfully affect his career total. But if he stays on this trajectory and if one day he is contending for all-time records, whether it's home runs or the highest war ever or whatever it, it happens to be, you know, at that point when you're talking about small margins, half a season or two-thirds of a season could actually potentially make a difference. So we might not even know what we were deprived of in Trout's career for another 10 or, you know, 15 years or however long. (sighs) (laughs) I just brought down the mood. (laughs) Yeah. But he's still, I think one of my favorite things is that he is still projected for almost a full win better than the next position player by (laughs) our depth charts projections in a 60 game season, a whole win better. Yep. A whole win. It only drives home how significant the loss is. But also, Ben, don't worry. We're still gonna get. We're still gonna get some moments. I think. I think oh, we'll yeah. still get some moments. And the odds of a Trout playoff appearance are higher. Way than higher. Been. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're they're somewhat higher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we mourned that enough, I suppose. All right, Craig. Number three pick for you. Yeah, I'm gonna pivot from what I had at the top of my list to piggyback on what you said about Trout a little bit. I'm going to miss knowing with confidence like what counting and also war numbers mean in context. Oh, mm-hmm. that's good. Craig, that's like, so good. Yeah, I just like what's a what's a good home run season? I mean, and because variance is is going to be so large. I mean, we I can understand you, you can prorate, you know, what a good number would be for 162 games down to 60 and all that kind of stuff, but you you still have to do the mental math on that a little bit and even then you kind of have to blur the edges even more because of variance and that's already been happening because the ball is weird and changes situations a lot and so it's been happening to some degree, but it just is a radically different situation now and like I was I, I've been doing these preview podcasts for divisions for five and dive, and I keep talking about guys as like two win players, and like that's astoundingly good in a sixty game season, and not just like a a regular like uh, you know an average regular over the course of a hundred sixty two game season, and like even if you prorated it down to I don't know whatever it would be like. 0.8 wins, then you sound ridiculous. So yeah, I'm going to miss all of that. That's yeah. good. That's Jack really Cram good. just wrote about that for the ringer, just that it'll be really hard to distinguish player performance in this season because it'll all just be really compressed. And yeah, there are 
elements of that that I guess I like, like Joe Sheehan in his most recent newsletter made the case that we just kind of have to turn off our brains a bit this year and just enjoy baseball in a way that we typically don't because we analyze everything. Some would say overanalyze everything and we're constantly looking at wars and we're constantly looking at projections and this year those things will be less helpful than usual. So I don't know whether that's something I will miss or something that I'm I'm happy to miss for one year at least. I guess it's both. <laughs> I could make it uh, a pick in, in each of these drafts. I don't know whether it's more of a positive or a negative, but it's definitely different. Yeah, I just I think that for like guys who are less good at baseball, it'll be a nice bit of grace, right? Because the number <laughs> of segments on this podcast that I can do where I say, Hey Ben, Ben, yeesh. <laughs> Have you gotten a look at this yeesh? Are gonna, you know, because it's just not that yeesh isn't gonna land in the same kind of way. So yeah. many other things to yeesh at. And also, like Craig said, like that immediate, what does this mean will not present itself. Like we know when looking at, you know, when I guess we're gonna enjoy stats that are inherently already league adjusted the most, right? Because they will do that context adjustment for us. But yeah, it's going to, for, you know, the, the Chris Davises of the world are probably sitting there going, oh gosh, we're going to get a pass. Yeah. I mean, the Orioles one, just to be clear. It would be, yes. wouldn't it be great if the other Chris Davis hit for 247 this year though? Oh, he has to. Yeah. That, that stat will count. Everyone, we're all agreeing right now. That one counts yes. if it happens. I know that's his true talent. So. Yeah. That, the, that counts. We're yeah. just going with that. All right. Meg, you're up. Okay, I guess uh, this this is a good pick to to piggyback off of that. I'm gonna miss meaningful second half turnarounds. Mm-hmm. We will have fluctuation in this year. We'll probably have at times wild fluctuation in terms of guys' production on the field. But I like very much stories about guys who have something that they change uh, over the course of a year, whether it's a swing adjustment or a new pitch grip or or what have you you know realizing that they like have sleep apnea and getting that fixed or being like oh i should have been wearing contacts this whole time and it's like how did it take you getting to the pros before we knew that but anyhow so that story of adaptation is very interesting because it so rarely ends with the player right it's often indicative of an organizational approach that could be cool or a veteran who teaches a younger player something and sort of passes on institutional knowledge that they have that helps to course correct someone's season and potentially career and you know if if a player has a dramatically different second 30 games like what are we doing you guys (laughs) that's not gonna land in the same way as a guy who you know comes back with obviously different mechanics or you know finally dials in that third pitch and is suddenly able to be like a viable starter that's not gonna feel the same way and I think those stories are so cool because as we've talked about on this podcast many times baseball is impossibly hard and every strikeout is a miracle and every hit is a miracle and when guys are able to find their way to a new version of themselves that is more effective I think those stories are great and I don't think we'll get as many of them or at least the ones we get won't feel as meaningful and I will miss them so that's my that's my pick second half turnarounds yeah that's a good one 
All right, I'm going to take something that we won't really be conscious of missing specifically, but we'll know that we missed it, even if we don't know exactly how. And I think Sam may have mentioned this on an episode long ago, but there will be players who will not debut this year. There will be prospects who don't develop because of this year of misdevelopment time, at least in games. There will be guys who didn't get time to play because they were slated to start the season, let's say, on the opening day roster or in the lineup. Guys like Clint Frazier, who maybe is now out of a job again and would have had a a job if the season had started as planned and other people had been hurt. So there are some number of people who would have been major leaguers would have been called up at some point this season would have gotten to say that they achieved their dream would have gotten their big league baseball reference page etc we would have gotten to know them however briefly and now we won't because the season is not as long and granted there will be bigger rosters at least for part of the season so that's something that might help some players get jobs who, who wouldn't have otherwise but because the season is so much shorter and because the September rosters are now down to 28 people instead of 40, which was going to happen anyway, we will just see fewer new blood in baseball. And again, there will be prospects potentially who have long-term consequences from missing this year of development. And Granted, everyone is kind of in the same boat, at least to an extent. I mean, if there's no minor league season, as we know there isn't, but if there's no development league or or anything like that, then everyone will be dealing with that. But some guys might be affected by it more than others, or some teams might do a better job of developing guys in the absence of competitive games. And so there might be guys who, who knows, like maybe they never pick up the plate discipline that they would have because they didn't see the hundreds or thousands of pitches that they would have seen this season. And we'll never know, you know, I don't know whether 10, 20 years from now we'll be able to look at aging patterns for this player generation and actually discern some difference that we could attribute to this weird year but undoubtedly there will be guys like that and you know maybe there will be some guys who would have made major league debuts this year top prospects who won't but I'm thinking even more of the long term there so that's a loss that we won't be able to see because those are things that just won't happen but we'll be kind of conscious that they're not happening yeah, I was gonna say it's a bold choice to to start off a pick in a draft with like we're not gonna we're not gonna be <laughs> conscious of this. <laughs> yeah, but but I think you got there. I I was I was nodding my head at the end of it. I, okay, I agree. I think the tangible example of like the like guys like Clint Frazier or whoever would have an opportunity in an otherwise crowded spot who then now get squeezed out. I definitely th- that makes sense to me. I really like Clint Frazier, and I was hoping to see him yeah. more often. So. Yeah. Man, editor Craig can't turn it off. <laughs> Jeez. I, I just thought it ben, was a bold move. Ben, this was a really good start, but I have a couple of things that I think we need to tighten up. Yeah. Where were you when I was sorting that catcher framing leaderboard <laughs> with this feedback? I was laughing with the stat slack about you not having Apparently. all the information. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay, so I'm up. Yep. You are up. I'm going to take home run celebrations and elaborate high fives. Oh. Mm. Mm-hmm. There will still be celebrations. I'm sure the players with a lot of time on their hands will creatively figure out a way to do this. And I'll, I'll enjoy those too. But I really, I enjoy the elaborate high fives, especially like Carlos Santana, I think has like a a specific one with each person on a team. And I don't know, I'm going to miss those. Yeah. Yeah. 
I guess there's possibility that we could get really creative non-contact celebrations, which might make up for that. I mean, if there are elaborate air high fives, would that replace the the contact for you? Yeah, I think to some a percentage, but you we won't know, get hugs. Yeah, yeah. The I mean, just kind of it, it goes along with like the the carefree aspect that Meg had, but where you just like don't. It's just not the same, right? Yeah. And and even if they do. Like, I'm sure they will high five. It's hard to break that habit, but you're kind of like, then I'm going to think, oh, they shouldn't be doing that. Right. right. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, if, if someone just reflexively does hug, then, like, you know, we'll get a bunch of hug scolds, you know, reasonably, right. but, you know, there'll be screenshots of guys hugging after a homer and we'll all be going, no, keep your distance, which is like the opposite of the emotion that a hug is supposed to prompt. Yeah. I mean, I did this to Meg last night, I think that, you know, social media was commenting on on the giants who were kneeling during the anthem and in my head because i've read the operations manual i and i for some reason i chose meg to dump this on but i was like aren't they supposed to not be touching person who routinely reads 100 page manuals i can't imagine why you came to me <laughs> but i was like aren't they aren't the rules say they're not supposed to be touching but like brandon crawford was supporting two people like he was doing a nice thing it was a good thing that i just should have enjoyed and instead my stupid broken brain was like oh i don't know if he should be doing that yeah so i don't know i'm gonna miss like the the yeah both the celebrations and also my when there is an actual celebration that happens like it would have in the before times, my brain not being able to say that shouldn't be happening. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Did you see when Cleveland to do their, you know, high fives at the end of the game did like the, the heel taps? They did their... No, did, I missed that. It, they looked that's like good. they were playing hacky sack. Yeah. Do you remember Hacky Sack? I'm excited about something like that, that maybe will be a a long-term staple. Like the the high five was invented not even all that long ago, maybe even in baseball or so the story goes. And so maybe we'll get some new standard greeting. Like hasn't Anthony Fauci said that we should never shake hands again or that he would be happy if we never shook hands again? And I don't know if we can actually break that habit, but imagine if there were some new fun replacement for the high fiber for some kind of contact celebration that'd be kind of cool that would be kind of cool i'm just saying that sounds like the something someone who has a weak handshake would say <laughs> putting oh, it out there. i i just hope that the handshake thing extends to the unwelcome hugging of strangers mm, yeah mm. i'm with you on that all right you're up so i hope that this is not too similar to your dodgers pick I am going to miss not being able to watch the Twins play the AL East, which, you know, Cleveland is still projected to be or was before the season sort of uh, came to a grinding halt, was still projected to be in the mix. And obviously the White Sox have done a great deal uh, to try to improve themselves. And then there are still the Tigers and the Royals. But I... I enjoy that Twins team. I think that they are uh, very good. I am uh, impressed with the way that they as an organization sort of conducted themselves throughout the pandemic. And I wanted to see them more often matched against other sort of AL heavyweights, many of which reside outside of their division. And now we won't get to see that. And the, you know, the NL Central is just sort of murky and Mm -hmm. soupy. And uh, and so I, I will miss 
them being able to get on a plane and fly all the way east (laughs) (laughs) as if it's all that much safer whatever it's fine so i i mourn a more competitive twins season specifically against al opponents because they're going to end up in this strange spot Uh, you know a, a number of teams will where they will be competing either for you know if they fall out of their division race they will be competing for a wild card and potentially will not have played one another in the regular season and i There's something about that, you know, that one game play in where if you have the reference of how they've matched up, it's even if statistically it's not all that meaningful, it's just it sets the stage in a way that is nice. So I expect the Twins to win the Central, but if they don't, it's just like it's, you know, it's strange that they won't have played like the Rays. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm fine with that one. I don't think that overlaps with Dodgers too much unless, Craig, you have any editorial notes on that one? (laughs) Yeah. No, that one, that's clean to me. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, for my penultimate pick, hopefully this doesn't overlap too much with things we've already discussed, but I'm taking the asterisk conversation, which is, uh, I guess, not something I will miss, but something I'm sorry to have to have. I I guess if I want to reframe it as something I'll miss, I'll miss just being able to accept the full season results as they are. I'm already pretty tired of the asterisk conversation. It's a legitimate conversation, and I think we have to have it, but I am not really eager to keep having it for months and maybe years to come and so I think maybe when we get to the playoffs who knows maybe it'll all feel as real and legitimate and meaningful as ever I don't know but you will always have haters out there who will say that oh you won only because it was a 60 game season or if some team like Cleveland or or the Dodgers or whomever, if they break their streak and their drought and actually win a World Series, then I don't know if that would be considered as special or, or maybe some people would say there was a caveat attached to that. So I don't think there will be literal asterisks, but there will be that in our heads. And as we write articles and do analyses in the future, we will always have to filter this year out or make some, some special treatment for it. And that will probably get a little bit tiresome. So I will miss just uh, being able to say, yeah, you won fair and square or as fair and square and, and non-random as it ever is in baseball and, uh, and just accepting that on its face. Yeah, gosh, there's just going to be such discourse. Yep. Oh, yeah. Going to have a lot, of, a lot of discourse this year. I brought that up to some degree with Stephen Goldman on Infinite Inning, and 538 published an article by Robert O'Connell that I thought was really good. I think the Dodgers are really interesting in that way in particular because they've won their division so many times. They've lost in the World Series if their run extends for a while, but this is the only World Series they win. Mm-hmm. Like how they get viewed historically right. seems really interesting to me. Yeah. And yeah. as a Dodgers fan, you'd probably <laughs> rather not have to deal with that, right? Or, I mean, I, I guess you'd rather want a I'd World Series <laughs> than no World Series. But if you could choose your ideal circumstance in which to win the first one since the 80s, it probably would not be this year, I imagine. 
Yeah, I mean, at this point, having lived through two losses, I, I'd take it without without <laughs> yeah. a lot of complaint. But I do think it opens up the conversation about you know, I don't know, I, I, the dynasty conversation is both extremely tired, but it's also this is like a new wrinkle on it to some yeah. degree. So I, I think it's interesting in that context. And and I agree, the historical, I almost tried to tie in like the historical presentation of all of this, which you and, and Zach have both kind of written about and around, I think, yeah, like just how we're going to have to consider this year when we're looking for multi-year, tra- I mean, even park, fa- you know, like multi-year park factors and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You, you mentioned it with Toronto and stuff like that, but they're all <laughs> going to be weird in a short season. Oh, yeah. and I don't know. It's going to be a mess. All right. You have one more? I have one more. And I, I brought up before we started uh, going to games, I don't think we've picked it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to pick it. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'm going to put pressure on you guys to do it. Bait and switch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pick something that is just, it's a, it's a small thing, and it's going to be complicated by not just the, the fanless season, but by a change in the rules. But I am going to miss fans being shown asleep on TV in extra innings. <laughs> Uh-huh. It's just it's just a true joy. And I don't it's it's a tradition, you know what I mean? Like it's just it's always happened throughout my at least my whole life and I I really take a lot of pleasure in it for some weird reason and uh I'm going to miss that. Not just because there aren't fans there, but also the change in extra inning rules I think would uh, if if they hold would make it extremely unlikely to happen in, in yeah. the future. <sighs> Yeah, gosh. And like um, you know, I I'll miss can I can I uh it's sort of related to that. I will miss the my unearned and ridiculous sense of superiority for living in the Pacific time zone <laughs> in moments like that because, you know, games that go super late here, they still go super late and you're like, "Well, I'm I'm going to feel it a little bit tomorrow." But when you're on the West Coast, you're like I'm going to be marginally more tired and now I get to drift off to the sound of weird silence in the ballpark and people on the East Coast are like, I am forever altered. I will never be the same. (laughs) So uh, I'll miss that too. I feel so fancy and I didn't do anything at all. (laughs) But that's not your pick. No, that's not my pick. My pick is kind of sentimental and not really about baseball at all. And I've made a version of this pick in other drafts, but I think that it's okay because it's my pick, so I get to. And I I realize that the specific way I'm going to talk about this is not as relatable to our listeners, but I think versions of this are why, say, we're going to miss going to games, which is, um, you know, baseball has brought me a great many people who I care about very much, and I get to see them a lot less often now. And that's necessary because we all need to help keep each other safe. But, like, it, you know, it, it made me feel sad that the day our positional power rankings launched was like the day that I was supposed to be getting ready to go home from LA where I would have, well, I, I would have seen Craig and finally <laughs> been able to return a book I borrowed from him like a year and a half ago <laughs> that I keep forgetting to bring to stuff. And I would have gotten to see all my Fangraphs pals and I would have, you know, gotten to see folks who were in town to cover the All-Star game who live in parts of the country that I don't visit very often. And there are just all of these ways in which baseball provides a community and we've done our best to sort of bridge those gaps in quarantine but it's not quite the same as getting to sit 
down with a pal in the seat right next to you and watch a and watch a game. And so I will miss getting to do that. I will even miss winter meetings, which I can't imagine we're going to be allowed to have and which I often emerge from uh, speaking of altered. <laughs> certainly tired and probably missing years on the back end of my life. I will miss that. I miss the opportunity to go to Dallas and sit in a hotel ballroom. I am very sad I won't get to do that. And if you are a fan listening to this show, a listener listening to the show, and you're like, Meg, we don't do that. You're fussy and have weird specific industry concerns. Just think of all the games that you were going to go to with your pals or with your family. And so I... I miss the the physical proximity of community, even as I spend a lot of time when in the physical proximity of my community being like, please don't hug me. So uh, that's my pick. Yeah. yeah I'm going to miss that book. I will mail you the book. <laughs> Maybe if I can find it. I might send you a new copy of the book. It's, it's really okay. I can't believe I forgot to bring the book to San Diego because you reminded me before I left. You're like, hey, bring my book, why don't you? And I was like, yes, I certainly will. And then I got to my friend's wedding, which preceded the uh, winter meetings. And I was like, you know what I don't have here at this wedding? That book. <laughs> What's the book? Can you disclose the book? Yeah, it's uh, Eve Babbitt's, what it, what is it, something, Fast Days, Slow Company? Yes. Slow Days, Fast Company? One of those uh-huh. two. Yeah. Okay. There, it's her essay collection about Los Angeles, and it's wonderful and sparkling and funny. And, <laughs> and in Meg's and, possession. And, Meg's permanent property. <laughs> maybe mine forever <laughs> at this point. So. Yeah, related, I was going to say that I'm sort of sad to miss the access reporting-wise, which yeah. for me, granted, I do a lot of my reporting remotely anyway, but for a lot of people who are in the park more often than we are, it's going to be a problem. It's going to get in the way of stories that they would want to tell and people they want to talk to because Zoom interviews of to a mass audience are not really that conducive to sharing interesting personal stories or anything emotional or really revealing. So there will probably be plenty of stories that we just don't get to tell or don't get to read this year because of that lack of access. So that's a shame. But that is not my final pick either. I will salvage our reputations in this draft and take <laughs> going to games <laughs> as the final pick in the draft of things we'll miss in 2020. And I think probably the fact that we didn't take it up until this point, A, maybe it's just too obvious, or B, maybe it reflects the fact that we are homebodies and are uh, not going to as many games as we have in the past, and we are experiencing baseball as a TV entertainment more so than an in-person entertainment these days and you know when I go to games these days often it's for a work purpose it's because I need to talk to someone and it's fairly rare that I just go to hang out with friends now although on the occasions when that does happen it's very nice and I'm sure it's very nice for you but I'm sad not only for myself about this even much more so than for myself is for the people who do this very regularly and consider it a, a great joy and pleasure and 
again, this is something that potentially has long-term ramifications for baseball if you subscribe to the idea that either playing or going to games, seeing the sport in person really has an impact on whether you become a fan of the game for life, which I've seen at least allusions to some research that suggests that's the case. If that is the case, then cutting people off from ballparks, and again, not just big league ballparks, but as Meg mentioned, minor league parks too, which is the access that a lot of people have to professional baseball, then there may be just fewer fans made. I mean, how many stories do people have of, oh, I fell in love with the game when I went to the ballpark and it was a beautiful day and it was great company and I saw something spectacular and I was hooked. And that just won't happen for some number of people this year. So that's a bit of a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, you know, one of the reasons I didn't pick it was I, some of it was the obviousness and some of it was that you do, you don't replicate the experience of going to the game, but you do replicate the experience of having baseball by watching on TV. And so like it is a thing I'll miss, but it's also a thing I'll have, you know, to some degree. Right. Yeah. We've talked before about how, at least if you're writing about or or covering something, there are advantages to not being there because you get to see all the camera angles and you get all the access to information and everything. So, yeah, I mean, I don't even know which I prefer as a spectator's experience in the park or watching on some giant high def screen. I guess they both have their moments and it depends on where you're watching and whom you're watching with. Yeah, Yeah. you miss having the choice. Or I would, anyway. Right. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Mm. All right. Well, I noticed none of us took pitcher hitting. (laughs) 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 I, I will miss the fact that it allows us to gauge how much better all the other hitters are getting by how much worse the pitchers continue to get at hitting. That is the part of it that I will miss, but not so much the, the pitchers hitting itself. When Ben Clemens was estimating the impact of having Chico in left field for the Dodgers full time, pitchers hitting, especially rookie pitchers hitting, was indispensable to him trying to come up with some sort of an estimate. Right. And yeah. so we can let that be a a, a fairly well to pitcher hitting, and, and then we can never watch it ever again. <laughs> uh, I'm curious, how many things do you have still on your potential lists? Me? Nothing. <laughs> Let's see. I think I exhausted it, or, or we did together. Yeah, I think that I... Yeah, I, I guess the ones that I am really going to miss are the... Yeah, I think we got them all. Mm-hmm. I would I would just throw out, it, since I didn't pick it, but I it was one I liked, was the indifference to... Like the, the choice to be indifferent to a game and the yeah, laziness yeah. that comes with oh, a long yeah. season. I, I did have something about like missing meaningless baseball, which you could argue that it's all meaningless. I mean, just this tune year, into guess, an but, Orioles game, I guess. But Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that you're going to get plenty of opportunities to be like, oh, this. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I wasn't sure whether to draft that because I might very well take the opposite of that as something that I'm excited about. Yeah. yeah I think both are true. I, yeah, yeah. They are both true. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry, there'll be plenty of games that you can vacuum through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, I think despite the fact that this was sort of a depressing topic in theory, it was a pretty fun draft and conversation. So hope you all enjoyed it, and we will reconvene again shortly for the even more upbeat companion to this draft about things we are looking forward to. 
All right, that will do it for the first installment of this draft doubleheader. Just to follow up on our discussion from the beginning of the episode, late on Tuesday night, Hazel May of Sportsnet tweeted, can confirm the Blue Jays have been told they will be calling PNC Park home this season per MLB source. That's not official as I post this podcast, but that report seems to suggest it's a done deal and that the Blue Jays will be playing their home games in PNC Park this season. Thank you for listening, and thanks to those of you who have supported the podcast by going to patreon.com slash effectively wild and signing up to pledge some small monthly amount and help keep the podcast going while getting themselves access to some perks the following five listeners have already done so cameron evans adam kuhn dan kenny kyle rowan and brian boger thanks to all of you you can join our facebook group at facebook.com group effectively wild you can rate review and subscribe to effectively wild on itunes and other podcast platforms keep your questions and comments for me and meg and sam flowing into our inbox at podcast at fangraphs.com or via the patreon messaging system if you are a supporter you can rate review and subscribe to effectively wild on itunes and spotify and other podcast platforms thanks to dylan higgins for his editing assistance we will be back with the second draft soon talk to you then now we-